Hello, today is March 28th. This is Pastor Caleb, and you are listening to Simple Rhythms. Simple Rhythms is a daily Bible reading and reflection on God's Word throughout the week. Looking forward to when we gather together as a church to worship the Lord on Sunday. So there are three elements of Simple Rhythms, read, pray, and sing. And this uh, week, we are continuing our sermon series, kind of leading up to Easter, uh, kind of apologetic sermon series on different aspects of Christianity that skeptics might have questions with. Uh, that's gonna, that series is going to culminate uh, in, in a defense of the resurrection on Easter Sunday. This past Sunday uh, was kind of a defense on why you can trust the Bible. And this Sunday, we're going to talk about probably one of the most profound ideas that skeptics have, and that is, what about suffering? Uh, if, if there is a God, and He is good, how could He allow suffering? Um, and so I want to answer that a couple different ways this week and how I've designed the podcast. Today, the way we want to look at it is uh, through Revelation chapter 14, verses 3 and 4. And, uh, and, and so the song this week is Don't You Want to Thank Someone by Andrew Peterson. And, uh, and so I'm really going to touch on that song along with Revelation 14 today. And, uh, and we're going to pray, so read, sing, and pray. We're going to pray that we would, as Andrew Peterson has written in this song, see it as, quote, a better thing to be merely more than innocent, but to be broken than redeemed by love. And so um, even Christians struggle with this idea of why they're suffering in the world. Uh, So I think from a skeptical perspective, the non-Christian, why is there suffering? Why would a good God allow suffering well, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I would argue that suffering is actually a defense of uh, there being a good God, not an argument against there being a good God, because, um, because of sin. A good God, um, a good God would not allow sin against him to go unpunished. Uh, he, would, he would not be good if he did not punish sin with the right uh, punishment. So therefore, he would not be good. Uh, so, so in other words, um, if God did create everything perfect and man sinned against him um, and God didn't bring about any kind of consequence in response to sin, then he wouldn't be a good God. It's like, uh, it's like you know, we've used this illustration before. If a man murders someone and he stands before a good judge, what's, what's, what's supposed to be a good judge? Um, and the judge says, you know what, I'm just feeling gracious, I'm just going to let you go, um, no, no punishment for your crime. Well, that wouldn't be a good judge. That'd be a bad judge. That would be a bad judge. It wouldn't be good. So if there is a good God and he's created everything perfect, and mankind went against him uh, in an evil way, and he's good, then if he's really good, he's going to bring about a, a, a right punishment for the crime. And the right punishment for the crime is to allow suffering into the world as a consequence of sin. That doesn't mean that every single instance of suffering is a direct consequence of a particular sin. But it means that the fact that suffering and brokenness being in the world at all is a, in death as the ultimate form of suffering is a consequence of mankind's sin.
Um, and so therefore, it's actually an apologetic. Suffering, when looked at in that correct way, I believe is actually an apologetic for there being a good God, not, um, not an argument against there being one. And so uh, that that kind of is the main argument against that I believe, which we're gonna get we're gonna tease out the rest of the week and and in the sermon on Sunday. But then what about the Christian? Because I, I'm gonna assume that there's not many skeptics listening to this podcast. Uh, so so what about the Christian? And and one of the major ways that I think Christians many times phrase this question is this: um, Why did God even allow Satan into the garden to tempt Adam and Eve? Why why didn't when Satan rebelled, why didn't God just destroy Satan and not allow him into the garden to tempt Adam and Eve? And, and thus, why did God allow sin into the world to then cause suffering? Why didn't God just leave people as they were? I think the primary answer to that question, there's a couple different answers, but I think the primary answer to that question is, is, is simply this. God did not just want his creatures to know him as creator and to love Him and follow Him as Creator. God wanted His creatures to know Him and love Him as Redeemer. And so God allowed sin into the world so that His creatures could worship Him, not just, not just worshiping Him and loving Him out of the gratitude that comes from Him creating them and making them, but... but if he allowed them to fall and sin and be broken, and then in love, in response to that, he went and redeemed them, then the worship and the love and the gratitude that they would then have towards him would even be deeper than it would have been had he just allowed them to know him as creator. And so therefore, uh, as Andrew Peterson says in the song, it is a better thing to be morally than, more than merely innocent, but to be broken and then redeemed by love. So in other words, the relationship you have with God is deeper because you know Him as Redeemer than it would have been even if He would have just left you merely innocent and never allowed you to fall to begin with. Uh, the way that Paul puts this is that it was the plan of God from the very beginning to sum up all things in Christ. So God created knowing that men, mankind would fall and knowing that in love He would send Christ to redeem mankind. And so you say, well, why did God allow sin into the world? That's why. So that all of the enemies of God all would be placed under Jesus' feet as conquering Redeemer. That, that the ultimate praise and worship of God would be thrown up to Him by creatures who have not just been created by Him but who have been redeemed by him out of grace um, and and that brings glory to Jesus because of the, the 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 second person of the Trinity who's always existed who was always there in the beginning even in the creation of the garden and Adam and Eve that brings this the, the the third person of the Trinity the Holy Spirit does the work in the hearts of those to believe in the Redeemer the Son is the one who came and and was the Redeemer to redeem them by taking their curse on, a, on the tree. And the Father was the one who planned all of that redemption action. And so then, as they are redeemed by each person of the Trinity through the plan of the Father, the work of the Son, and, and the uh, regeneration of the Holy Spirit, 
then they bring their praise as redeemed people to the triune God for doing that for them, not just as as innocent creatures who never fail, but as fallen, broken creatures who have now been redeemed and have a deeper love and gratitude and worship toward their God because of it. So why did God so if the Christian asks, why did God allow suffering, sin and suffering into the world? That's why. That I, I believe that the scriptures teach that's the most fundamental reason why. Because that's the way God intended and planned for it. And, and you see this in Revelation 14. Uh, Revelation, there's a lot of confusion about Revelation and a lot of things that just aren't clear in Revelation. But there is a general overwhelming truth in Revelation. It was written to churches who were struggling with persecution. And, and it is an apocalyptic vision with a lot of symbolism, but the symbolism really at the most basic level points to this. God created man good. Man fell into sin through the temptation of Satan. Uh, he's, he's re God has redeemed the people through Jesus Christ, and, and they are pilgrims in this world, and they're be raging beasts and, and, um, and, and uh, a dragon and other... Um, other beings that are coming at them, spiritual and physical, to try to take them down because they don't like God, they don't like them, and they're to be faithful, and they are to, going to conquer to the end um, by, by their faith in the Lord Jesus and, and, and their testimony, the blood, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, like it says in Revelation 12. And there's, there's different kind of um, narrative visions and symbols and scenes that kind of play the story out in different ways in Revelation. But but in Revelation 14, one of the ways is, is looking is looking at the throne room of heaven. Uh, and in verse 1 of chapter 14, it says, Then I looked, John is writing, he's seeing this vision, and so he's looking. Then I looked and behold on Mount Zion. Mount Zion used twice in Scripture in Psalm chapter 2. Uh, the the son, uh, God God has placed his son his his king on Zion his holy hill, so that's where the king reigns Mount Zion, and then in Hebrews chapter twelve it says that we are the, um, those of us who are Christians we have been redeemed to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem not the not the earthly Jerusalem we've been redeemed to the heavenly Jerusalem which is Mount Zion. So that's where Mount Zion is. It's where Jesus reigns, and it's the heavenly Jerusalem. So, so that he's in the heavenly throne room here. In other words, he's in the heavenly city, which is going to come down to earth in Revelation 21-22. We see the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth to, to make earth new again. But, it, but at this point, not gotten there yet, but he says, I looked and behold on Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, stood the Lamb. So the, so the king of Psalm 2 is, is the Lamb in Revelation 14. He's both the lion and the lamb. He's the king and the lamb at the same time. He's the lamb because he's been slaughtered for sin. He's the lion because he rules. And and with him, 144,000 who had his name. Uh, I believe that this is not a literal 144,000. This is a perfect number for those that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. So those that have not been, uh, not given in to the temptation of the beast, not given in to the temptation of the dragon, uh, all the symbols before, but have stayed true and faithful to the gospel and, and, to the, and to Jesus, even if it meant death for them, those 144,000 before him in the, have made it to heaven, worshiping him, had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads, 
and I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps, and they were singing a new song to their worshiping here before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. So, so this perfect number of people who have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb and they have been redeemed from the earth and they are giving worship because they, they have been, they have been um, transferred from darkness into his marvelous light. They've been transferred from the evil, sinful, broken, suffering world now to a perfect, heavenly world where no sin or sickness or death uh, or brokenness or suffering, it, they don't have to endure that anymore. They've been redeemed from that, and because of that, they stand here giving him worship. So they're not just worshiping him because he created them and they were innocent and never sinned. No, no, now they've been redeemed from the earth. And like we talked about earlier, their love for Jesus, their love for God, their worship to him, their gratitude to him is, is even deeper now because they've been redeemed than it would have been if they had stayed innocent and never sinned. And that's the type of gratitude and love and worship they have because of what God has done for them in Jesus. And they are the and, and by enduring the suffering they became more like him. Uh, they, the, enduring the suffering they had to have on earth, they became more like him. Their faith was tested and they endured to the end. And because of that they received the reward for their faith endurance and now they get to be with their Lord forever and ever in a world with no suffering that's what it, that's the whole point that's why God allowed suffering into the world so that he could do that and that, that he could make us into people like that this has been Pastor Caleb and you've been listening to Simple Rhythms Simple Rhythms